This episode is for you, specifically if you are brand new to press handstand and you're wanting to learn it and you're starting from scratch. What I'm going to do is cover the basics for you so you can have a general idea of what you're working towards and what has to happen in order for you to make progress. And so what typically happens when you start out on this journey to learn a press is nowadays it's really easy to get overwhelmed. So there's information everywhere. In fact, there's too much information and there's too much bad information. And now the challenge people have is information confusion, which is there's so many different things that you can do and so many different paths that you can take that actually by going through and trying to research too much, you actually just become paralyzed from the from the the sheer amount of information out there. So I that's the the first thing is what not to do, okay? And the the first approach and and I'll explain this. I want to keep this episode short. I don't want it to go super long because it's very easy to go into real detail on a lot of these things which I've covered at various points throughout this podcast and other episodes which you can go back and listen to. But one of the first things that people tend to do is they look at a press handstand and they're training because they don't really have any direction or they don't have any experience in training for something like this is they look at it and they just try to practice it over and over and over and over, which is I'm just going to press and try and lift myself off the ground and try and do it over and over. Now, the challenge, the problem with that, not the challenge, but the problem with that is you're immediately training your body to replicate a faulty movement pattern. And the thing, the first thing to understand with press handstand, that it's not necessarily a feat of strength as much as it is learning to create a new movement pattern in your body. So by movement pattern, something like brushing your teeth or riding a bike, it's something that it's a learned skill that your brain literally has to send signals to your muscle to execute it. So it's not just about strength building as much as it is about a pattern. So if you just replicate the, if you just try to do it over and over again, you will in turn create more problems for yourself because you will have trained your body to learn an anti-press, so to speak, which is you've training your body the wrong way to press up. The, the way to think about it from the, the way to think about it from this position is that, and here's the irony, and this is something that, that I tell all my clients, is that actually the fastest way to learn to press handstand is not to try it over and over again, but break it down into its components so that you can work on strengthening each and every one of those components. All right. And there's a couple of things that you can gauge for yourself. There's a couple of things that you can understand. I'll go through these on the show, but I want to break it down first into kind of the three major components, just to summarize what you're doing and what exactly has to happen. So number one, first and foremost is getting your TVA to activate. So number one is the core, right? Does it require core strength to hold yourself and lift yourself and balance. Yeah, it does. It does require core strength. And I interchangeably sometimes when I'm talking, use the TVA, which stands for the transverse abdominus and 
the, the core interchangeably, but what I'm referring to directly is the TBA, the transverse abdominis. And yeah, so having that is required. But one of the main things that people that are new to press handstand get wrong is that core strength, and listen to this carefully, core strength is not, is building core strength is not required because having a strong core is what just allows you to magically lift up off the ground. It's actually not that at all. It's training your core so that it is strong enough to activate when you're lifting your body. Because in order to get your hips over the shoulders in a press handstand, one thing that has to happen is you have muscles that are on the on your lower back called your QL muscles, and they attach the top of the pelvis to the bottom of the rib cage. Those muscles have to extend when in order for the hips to go over the shoulders, in, in order to make it easier for the hips to go over the shoulders. And that's a major component in the consistency of a press. So the difference between a consistent press, someone who can press like over and over again, versus someone who just does it one time and then they get exhausted because they've muscled through the entire movement is their ability to use their QL and lengthen the muscles out. So lengthening the QL in the moment you lift so that you can create distance between your rib cage and your hips. And that's what helps you lift to create that space for your hips to move over the shoulders. So your core has to be strong enough to support your body when you lift, not because the core itself makes the movement, but because when your core doesn't work, when you're trying to press the handstand, which is why I also don't recommend that you just do it a bunch of times. Your training isn't just doing it over and over. That generally, again, makes no progress. But the reason you want your core to be strong is because of that length. And if it isn't that length in the QL, but if it isn't strong enough, then what happens is your shoulders will tend to muscle the movement, which means you'll overemphasize the use of the shoulders in the movement itself, which will cause muscling and you'll just get tight in the shoulders and the traps, which is not going to create a sustainable press. But the other side of it is the muscles that work like the that will try to work like the TVA in the absence of that muscle activating is your QL muscles. So your QLs will effectively try to stabilize your body instead of lengthening in this movement. And when they stabilize, they typically tend to contract. And when those QL muscles contract, they tend to pull the hips towards the ribs, which if you flip that upside down, you're actually pulling your hips back down the body instead of up, which helps to create that stacking position with your hips over your shoulders. So that's the first big one is understanding the TVA. So I'll summarize it really simply here is that your TVA has to be strong enough to engage when you're lifting, not because the core, not because having that core strength is what makes the lift. It's because having a strong enough core to allow your QL muscles to lengthen correctly in the lifting mechanic to get the hips over the shoulders is why the core is important. So this is also why press handstand is a very powerful tool for balance and back pain is because you have to go in and address these kinds of things. And typically people who have a hard time with press handstand also have imbalances in their body. It goes hand in hand, right? Press handstand is like a feat of balanced muscles in the body. And so all of these things all work together synergistically. That's first. The second thing, the second major thing is your lat muscles. Okay. 
This is another mistake that people make is they tend to focus solely on strength building. They tend to think it's it's surely like a strength building exercise or strength building skill you're learning or a feat of strength. It's really not in this way, but people will sometimes say, my arms or my shoulders aren't strong enough, so I can't hold the body. And so I got to build my arms or I got to build my shoulders stronger. And that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. You want to minimize the use of those things and you want to maximize the use of your lats. And what will happen sometimes is, so if you look at the lats anatomically, so this is just an audio show, you can Google a picture of the lats, but your lats work as, they're, they're like a supporting brace. They're, it's like a seatbelt for your upper body. In fact, what the lats do specifically is they help to stabilize your shoulder girdle. And they not only help to stabilize the shoulder girdle, but if you look at where the lats connect to, they actually wrap up and connect to the top of your triceps. And so what they create in that level and what they create is stability in the upper body, stability for the arm. So actually a lot of times when you, when I see people who say they have weak arms or they feel unstable when they're on their hands or they can't hold themselves, it's not because they lack arm strength. Like, yeah, that's a small portion of it, but the larger portion is that their back muscles, which are the large muscles on your body, the lat muscles aren't working correctly to stabilize the body. So they aren't stabilizing the upper body correctly. So everything feels off balance and everything feels weak. That's called back stability strength. And in this mechanic specifically, what that is, what stability strength is in general, is when you learn to use the opposite muscles in a movement like stabilizers. So in this case, let me describe it more simply, is that press handstand is a pushing movement. So the stabilizers, the pulling muscles in this case are the stabilizers, the lat muscles, the biceps, those are stabilizing muscles. And stability strength is when we learn to use those pulling muscles like stabilizers in pushing movements and the opposite for other mechanics, Not we won't talk about those today since press handstand is a pushing movement, but stability strength the other way around is when we're learning to use our pushing muscles like stabilizers and pulling type movements. So if you're doing bar work and that kind of thing, that's a really critical piece, the lats, super critical because number one, it not only allows the support of the arms, which allows your arms to feel more solid and more stable. So like with my clients specifically, when their lats are not working correctly, and it doesn't really matter how much strength they have in their arms. It always manifests itself as having weak arms, they'll say. But when you train, when you get the lats to stabilize correctly, you've now got like a real solid supported, supporting base for both your arms and the shoulder girdle. Now that brings me to my next point with the shoulder girdle is if you look at, and if you look at people doing handstands or you look at people trying to jump up to handstand, you'll see this collapsing action where the shoulder girdle collapses downward. The best way to describe it is if you are like up against the wall trying to do a handstand and you're pushing away, you can almost push your whole torso away from the ground or push your feet up the wall kind of thing. But if your shoulder girdle collapses even slightly, you're losing 70 to 80% of your power. So that when you try to press into the ground, you're basically just dissipating power through your shoulder girdle. And the shoulder girdle then is just absorbing all that power instead of using it as part of the force that you push down into the ground to stabilize yourself and create the lift. So one of the, one of the really, the other very important part about having strong lats and having 
that stability strength is that you can support the shoulder girdle correctly so that when you're pushing into the ground, it doesn't collapse. That's how you create power, right? That's how you create that rebound effect from the floor. And the difference is like to give you a comparison is if you're, again, if your shoulder girdle is collapsing, you're losing like 75, 80% of your power. But what it feels like is what it feels like is your body pushing or your hands pushing into sand instead of pushing into something solid, like a hardwood floor, like concrete. Now, if you've ever tried to push into the sand, like at the beach, it feels very unstable. And that's the effect, that's the destabilizing effect in your body the shoulder girdle has when it collapses when you aren't supporting it. So in order to support the shoulder girdle correctly, where that support comes from is in the lats. The lats, they provide stability to both the shoulder girdle and the arms, which in turn makes the entire movement stronger. That's a very important part. And the, the other downside of having quote-unquote big shoulders and strong traps are using those is that they don't support the shoulder girdle as much as the lats do. So your shoulder girdle will still collapse. In fact, typically you'll see it a lot in handstands. People with really strong shoulders tend to have really weak lats. And that was my background. When I started from baseball, I had a lot of imbalances in my body, but that was one of the big ones. It was very overdeveloped upper body, but underdeveloped back and core. No functional strength. You might have a lot of power when you're bench pressing or doing power lifts, but no power at all when it comes to doing a press handstand. So the lats are important in that regard. To summarize, the lats are important because they support both the shoulder girdle and the arms, and they make you feel like your arms are super strong. So those are lats. The third one is hip flexors. The hip flexors are important because when you lift yourself off the ground, when you're fundamentally lifting yourself off the floor in a press, one thing is for sure. So your legs are moving through the air, obviously. They're moving through a 180-degree arc, starting from the ground up to a handstand. In order for your legs to move through space, the muscles that have to be strong enough are the hip flexors. Because what is the role of the hip flexors? The role of the hip flexors is to support the legs. That's what we do when we walk, right? When we walk and we move, we flex our, we're basically flexing our hip muscles every time we walk and take a step. And why do we bend our knees? And you can actually test this for yourself. So one of the reasons we bend our knees when we walk is because strength, so hip flexors are part of what is required, the, the, the effective strength that's required is the longer your legs or the longer the lever, this is the mechanics thing, the longer the lever, the more strength that's required. So the hip flexors, the longer the legs, the longer, the bigger the radius, the more strength in the hip flexors that's required to move the legs. So when we bend the knees, we effectively shorten the radius of the arm, and that requires less amount of strength in our hip flexors to move. So that's why we bend the knees when we're walking. If you try to walk with your legs straight, it's a little harder to do. Now, the bad news with press handstand is not only are the legs straight, but the legs are not attached to the ground. So our hip flexors have to be really strong, really strong to be able to hold the legs. Like a lot of times I've seen people who are super strong in every area of the body except the hips, and it makes them, it makes their body feel completely dysfunctional, right? It's, there's no functional movement at all when the hip flexors are very weak and the downside of that also is because the hip flexors, 
they effectively act as the bridge, so to speak, between the, the upper body and the, or the lower body and the upper body, right? They're the bridge that links the two together. And those hip flexor muscles are effectively the muscles that allow the lower body and the upper body to effectively communicate with each other. And the, they're critically important for, ha- for not only the functionality in the body, but you have to have strong enough hip flexors to be able to move the legs through space and hold them. Otherwise, what happens is the knees just start to bend or they'll start to bend. And not only will you not be able to lift, but because your hip flexors won't be strong enough to move the legs through space, instead, what will happen is your shoulders will just start to go forward and you'll just start to muscle in your shoulders and you'll create more bad habits in that way. That's the, the hip flexors are important to summarize, right? That to summarize this point, the hip flexors are required to be able to hold the legs through space. Now, the a couple of other points. So those are what I would say is the big three. And then you've got other points, again, of things that go on throughout the body that you can look at. Yes, you do have the shoulders. You do have the arms. You do have the QLs to pay attention to. You do have the quadriceps. You do have the hamstrings. All of those muscles play a role. But at first, the problem is like a lot of people will fixate on those things, like a lot of a lot of viewpoints, a lot of what you see on YouTube is really fixated on hamstring mobility and on lost my train of thought, hamstring mobility and oh, and arm strength, building up the shoulders. And those two things are they're important but not critical. And if you go for those things first, you're not really going to make any progress because the main underlying big three parts of your body still need to those you have to learn how to work on. And again, because you're trying, this is a movement pattern we're trying to create. It's there, there has to be a little more tact in going towards it. It's not as simple as saying, I want to bench 300 pounds or 400 pounds. So it's not as simple as saying, let me load up a bar with 20 pounds and start there and work my way up. It's a pattern you're trying to create. So these muscles are the, these are like the essential muscles that I went through that allow you to create the pattern, right? You have to have the strength in order to create that pattern. But a lot of times when those aren't, if you're trying to create the pattern without the proper strength in the muscles to actually do the pattern correctly, your body ends up creating the wrong pattern. And it's just, Again, those are like the order of things you want to work on because getting those things allows the rest of the things to start to work correctly. The other patterns you have to build in the body. And that's the way, that's the approach I take is, and that's the thing with press handstand is it's very specific in what you do. It's a lot like, it's a lot baking a cake, following a recipe to bake a cake, that there's a specific way that you do something. If you put all the ingredients, the flour, the sugar, all that stuff, and then put it in the oven and then take it out and then put the egg in there, you're going to have a very different outcome than if you put the egg in first and mix the ingredients together and then put it into the oven. Same kind of thing. Press handstand is like that. And a lot training your body to create the, the correct movement patterns is critical in this regard to make any progress. And you have to realize like, these three things, those main three things, if you keep those in mind, and if you aren't familiar with them, I have a lot of, you can listen to a lot of my information on this podcast that I've got, you can go through and you can listen to those. If you want more and if you want even more information, 
number one, you should get familiar with the body. Like I recommend, I recommend anyone learning this to understand the way their body works. I have a, I use an app. It's called complete anatomy 2023. That's very thorough and teaching you the way muscles work and, and whatnot. It is an investment, but it's worth it. It's a few hundred bucks for the app, but it's a great app. It, or I should say it's a few hundred bucks to unlock all the features in the app and the ways that the muscles move. So you can get familiar with that, but it's worth it. It's, it's worth it like 10 times over to use that app. I, I, I use that app with all my clients when I'm going through and helping them to understand the way their body works and the way it moves and the way muscles work in synergy. It's very eye opening. That gives you a, that gives you a huge start that gives you like a huge advantage in understanding that. And then you can go in and you can Google things like stability strength. It's important to understand like what you're doing when you're creating stability strength, getting familiar with those things learning how to activate your core is important. That's also something you want to, that's also something you need to learn with certainty is how do I know when my core is activating and when it's not, and what does proper activation feel like so that I can make sure that I'm replicating those things when I'm creating press. Like these are big foundational pieces, which if you get these in order, it'll make It'll make your progress a whole lot quicker. You'll move through it a whole lot quicker. So it's one of these things where it shouldn't really take a long time. It's not something that like relative, relatively speaking, but I, it's, it still means like a few months, like with my clients starting from scratch, it takes between like three and five months to really get it. And depending on what scratch looks like to you, whether that's like an athletic background or something like that, but the trap that people get into is they believe it's like a multi-year journey and you're moving through. They're just trying things a lot of the time, hoping that they work. And the issue with that is because I, I see this a lot. Like I get a lot of clients, we get a lot of clients into our program who they, they've been literally like practicing or working on it for four or five years and sometimes even longer. In that case, and for some reason, they always think they're going to get it one day. But the, the, the harsh reality is that it, like, if you've been doing something for years and it's not working, it, what you're doing is wrong. It should not take that much time. You're doing the wrong things. You're following the wrong things. You are not creating, you're, you're not training in a way which is conducive for your body to improve, change and grow. It's just, you're just doing the wrong things. And, and I, I say that a lot. I, I see it a lot because there's so much information out there and there's so many different body types. Finding what works for your body type is important, which is why I gave you those three main things to look for and understand and learn so that you can actually assess and identify in your own body right away. If you just understand what things you need to work on in your body, actually your best way is to literally, once you understand these things, Stop Googling things related to a press handstand and actually Google how to build stability strength, how to create, how to effectively build hip flexor strength. Like those are the kind of things you want to learn and you want to put the pieces together. That's, that's, that's like one of the best things you can do for yourself is learn the body functionally. So you have the high level overview of how it works. Like I'm a big believer in that it's very hard to 
it, it's very hard to get something to work correctly if you don't understand the way all of the pieces work. It's, it's difficult if you're the CEO of a company, but you don't know the way the company works. Same fundamental thing. Like a, a CEO's job is much easier if he or she understands marketing, sales, the technical side of it, production, QA, all these different parts of the company are important to understand. And your body is the same way. The more you understand how your body, your muscles work and they work in synergy, that's not only going to set you up for a solid foundation for press handstand and you'll understand the muscles that you need to learn in order to do it, but you're also just becoming more knowledgeable about your body in general, which is going to set you up for a lifetime. And when you do that and you go through those things, through that process, you're also what you're also doing is learning what a balanced body looks like. And that's my whole philosophy on press handstands. The reason I like the movement so much is because the act of training for one, when you do it right, means it's going to balance your body. You're going to overcome a lot of injuries in that process by going through that and actually, and uncovering what, you, because basically what you're doing is you've got a jigsaw puzzle with thousands of pieces and you're learning to put them together. You're learning to put them all together. And that's the thing with the body that's actually really fascinating is there's and don't quote me directly on this, there's about, give or take, 650 muscles in the body. Learning how they work is critical, and it makes the process a whole heck of a lot easier so that you can start to troubleshoot. And that's really how you continuously make improvement in this, is number one, taking the time to learn these things. Become a student of the body. Don't just become fixated on the skill to race through it as quickly as possible. Become a student of the body. Learn the way the muscles work. Go through that process. And the more that you do that, the easier it's going to be for you to design and customize your training for what you need. Because where a lot of people go wrong is if you go on like YouTube or you go places, it's always do these drills, do this, try this. The problem with doing a lot of general drills is a number one, who knows if the drills are effective, but number two even if they are effective, they may not be effective for you. They may not be effective for what your body actually needs to improve and what you actually need to grow and to actually make change. So that's because that, the drill-based approach is too, it's too vague. And if you just rely on that, oftentimes you're relying on information that or exercises that aren't specifically working for you. But if you take the time to understand how your body actually works and the way the muscles work and these foundational pieces that will make it far easier for you to then custom tailor the information that you follow. So at least you can find things that are right for you that help you improve. So by, if you just get these three things down and understand that you're going to be well on your path on the right path to mastering your press handstand in that regard. And of course, if you are wanting to, if you don't want to do all this yourself, and you want to be coached through the process, you can check out Body Breakthrough, that whole process, and we can go through that whole process together of mapping out that stuff. And if you are starting from scratch, like most people starting from scratch, if you've got, if you've got like, a, like a movement background, you practice yoga, or you're doing some like movement arts, like three months or so is a good target, three to four months. And then if you're like brand, like literally brand new, like I, we don't get very many clients in our program who are like, going from Netflix on the couch and doing nothing 
to doing a prep, wanting to do a press hands. And they typically already have some kind of athletic background of some way, shape or form, but that's probably like six months. And that also looks like if you come from a different background, that's hampered your body. If you have, if you're really tight from, you know, playing sports or you've done like long distance running, or you've done like biking, anything that's tightened your hips or tighten these things, like then it takes a little longer. It takes more like five to six months because it takes a couple months to undo the tightness in there. But the information about the program and how it works and the approach is all in the show notes below. You can check it out down there if you want more information on that. All right. I hope this was helpful. This should give you the big overview for starting from scratch, things to look for, the things to pay attention to, the things to ignore, et cetera, et cetera. You can go through that and if you've got any questions, tag me in a story. You can shoot me a message on you can shoot me a message on social media. If you want to shoot me an email, Brian at theaustinacademy.com. You can also do that. All my social medias in the show notes. And last thing, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to support the show, this show is completely free. You can support it by doing two things. Number one, just sharing it with someone who would benefit from this. If you know someone who's into handstands or press handstands, share the show with them. That's one way to support it. And then number two, take some time to leave a review. If you leave a review for the show on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, if you take some time to leave a review, that also helps me get the show out to as many people as possible. And it just helps the algorithm to get it in front of the people who could benefit from it the most. All right, so that's all I've got for you on today's episode. Have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon.